Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, July 26th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Americans with Disabilities Act provides protections for millions of Americans. But a group of Mississippians and advocates say more must be done on the state level. Then examining brain drain and what the new income tax structure could mean for state revenues. And the owner of Mississippi's first medical cannabis grow shop. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi was the last state in the union to codify a form of equal pay for women last legislative session. Until then, the only recourse residents had were through federal statutes and courts. Now advocates for those living with disabilities want lawmakers to do the same for 33 percent of Mississippians who face discrimination. Scott Crawford of the Mississippi Coalition for Citizens with Disabilities shares more with our Kobe Vance. That Mississippi has not embraced its own disability access law. There's no state law protecting people with disabilities. Um, they are relying wholly on the federal ADA to do so. That in itself is a problem, and it needs to be corrected at the legislature. I think we can all agree that access for people with functional needs is something we should embrace as a compassionate society. On that note, this year the state legislature did look at a bill that would have um, expanded the definition of a hate crime to include people with disabilities as well as those with um, alternate gender identities and LGBT. Mm -hmm. uh, but that bill did not pass. Uh, what are, Have you seen that trend in the past, bills failing that are attempting to make Mississippi a better place for those who are disabled? Yes. Yes, I have. And uh, I'm usually at the Capitol on Disability Awareness Day, along with many others, as part of you know my role as you know, Mississippi Coalition for Citizens with Disabilities. We unite people of all disabilities here in the state, and we usually have an in-person Disability Awareness Day in which we go to the Capitol and we make our voices heard. And um, heretofore, we are behind the curve in that we have no state. 
state law protecting people with disabilities. We're just completely um, relying on the federal statute. What are your thoughts on needing to have this localized in Mississippi as opposed to just relying on the uh, ADA? Well, because right now there's there's no accountability at the state level. If 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 someone like me and I have um, experienced discrimination, really egregious discrimination, like can't get on the buses. Uh, can't participate, you know, can't get into the courthouse and participate in, you know, in jury trials and things like that. Um, Really important stuff. Um, It always has to go to the federal government. There's no state law protecting folks like me, people who are blind, people who are deaf. I wanted to talk about three big topics when it comes to dis- uh, disability justice. That's discrimination, abuse, and accessibility standards. Um, starting off on discrimination, what are some ways that people are discriminated against uh, when they are disabled, and how do you think the state could push back to begin to protect those people? Wow. Oh, that's, that is such a huge question. Um, I, I, can, I can speak from my experience, some of the things that I've encountered are lack of sidewalks. Um, Now, to be clear, ADA does not require sidewalks. And that is one of the compromises I was referring to. (laughs) You know, we really need to require sidewalks on important streets, such as those streets that have public transit. You know, uh, it does little good to have a bus going up and down a street if you can't, as a person with a disability, get to that bus stop, right? This is common sense, but unfortunately, ADA does not require sidewalks. It does say that when sidewalks are provided, they must be accessible. Looking into the future, or even currently as lawmakers prepare for this next legislative session, what do you think are some ways that Mississippi can begin to make the state better for those with living with disabilities? Well, uh, you know, in- including disability and LGBTQ folks in the hate crime legislation should have happened years ago. And I, I'm very frustrated by the fact it hasn't happened already. Um, because, you know, our law enforcement and emergency responders are included, and they should be. Um, but you're including law enforcement and, and emergency responders, but you're not including people with disabilities of the LGBTQ community? I object. Is there anything we haven't touched on today that you'd like to share with Mississippians about um, this you know, the hurdles facing um, disabled people in the state or other topics that we might not have been able to hit on? Well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, the major take-home message about disability is that it's going to affect most of us at some point in our lives. So even if it doesn't affect you now, it will probably affect you or someone you love in the future. And so ignoring the need on 
confronted with it is not the way to go. It, it becomes a crisis. And like lack of accessible housing, that's another thing that we could embrace at, at the legislative uh, level. Um, just an example. Um, and we could do it before we need it, because once you, once you acquire a disability, nobody plans on it, right? And if those accommodations, that infrastructure is not built in advance, most of us are going to be left behind and marginalized. So the, the other major take-home message I, I want to share with folks is the mantra of the disability community. And if you forget everything I say, remember this one. Nothing about us without us. Nothing about us without us. If you are going to make decisions about people with disabilities, be sure we're at the table. Scott Crawford is with the Mississippi Coalition for Citizens with Disabilities. Coming up, examining brain drain and what the new income tax structure could mean for state revenues. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. President and CEO of the Mississippi Economic Council says Mississippi's investment in workforce training is putting the state on a path to economic growth. But according to a recent CNBC report, Mississippi ranks last in a listing of top states for business. State leaders and elected officials have recently cited brain drain, the phenomenon of young, highly skilled, highly educated professionals leaving the state as a topic of concern. Our Michael Guidry begins part two of his conversation, asking Scott Waller if the state has been too slow to invest in education and infrastructure. Have we been a little slower than maybe we would like to have been? Without question, that sort of has been the case, but I think we've seen two things happen. One, on the educational infrastructure front, I think over the last few years, particularly uh, in in the last couple of years, we've seen a much larger investment into education. We've seen it through the teacher pay raise. Now, there are people that say, well, we're not fully funding a formula. Well, that's a formula. My, My question is, what are the is the money that we're investing having a return? I truly believe that we'll see a return on investment in raising teacher pay, because I think that's one of those things where you're going to keep people in the classroom longer. You're going to attract better, you know, you're going to attract more people to the classroom as a result of it, and that will pay long-term dividend. Secondly, on infrastructure, you know, I, I will tell you. The, the, the ranking that we got surprised me. I don't believe we're 46th in infrastructure. I think that we're making a lot of progress on that front, and I think you've seen that particularly over the last two to three years. 
the state has invested millions of dollars and are continuing to invest millions of dollars in improving in, to improve our our surface infrastructure, our roads and bridges. But we're now starting to see additional dollars being put into broadband, into our our underground infrastructure across the state and places. So I think all of those things are happening, and I think over time that will take the place. As far as a business's ability or willingness to to pay higher wages, I, I think you know COVID. I think has 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 forced some of that, quite frankly, because everybody needs the workforce, and finding the workforce has become harder. And as a result, you're seeing you know, you're seeing an increase in wages. I think that I think that that will continue. I think that there's there is the appetite. We have issues, but for the first time. I feel like a lot of those issues we're really starting to deal with, and we're a couple of years into that process now. And over time, I think what you're going to really see is is a, a true return on investment on, on several fronts, whether that's on education, whether that's on infrastructure, whether that's on the dollars that are being put into workforce development. I think you're going to see us as a state reap the benefits of that investment. Um, I would like to shift a little bit to the, some recent numbers produced by the Mississippi uh, Legislative Budget Office, the Elbow, um, comparing last year's uh, or the prior year's fiscal um, fiscal year revenues uh, to this year. Uh, one thing that stands out is uh, the the individual income tax was more than more than double. Uh, what it was the prior year, and you've mentioned COVID a lot, and uh, and how it has kind of played a role in in maybe uh, slowing down some of the, the the workforce development efforts and some of the other efforts to to, to help the state's economy uh, during this time. Uh, but I, I bring that up because this is also the the year this this fiscal year twenty twenty three that the state will significantly reduce the income tax. Twenty fiscal year twenty twenty one was a bit of an aberration. Is fiscal year 2022 a more representative look at, 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 what, at what it's going to be? And then how will a reduction of income tax uh, kind of affect that number? Well, I, I think it's a combination of two things. I think it's probably a little, a, little bit of, a little bit closer in terms of if that's the number that you're looking at in terms of what we're, we're likely to see. But I think that when you look at what was done on the tax front, and the impact it was going to have. There are two things to take into consideration. One, it was it was not uh, it was it was a a reasonable approach in terms of the total reduction. It also is phased in over a, a period of time that is that is reasonable, so that what you're seeing in terms of decrease, you're not seeing it all at once. So you, you know you'll have time to look and see is that is that adjustment being made. You know. It, it's it was you said it if I remember correctly you said it was about double of last year uh, well the the, the, the the decrease is not double uh, the decrease is much much smaller than that it's, and, and I think when you look at what that's going to do if we continue to see the type of growth that you just talked about in 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 the number in, in the amount of payroll that we're seeing across the state then you'll see those numbers even out. And that's what the, the purpose and the, the the decision behind that, I think, with the legislature, I think what they what they landed on was was a very cautious approach and, and measured approach in terms of how you go about doing it. 
to make a determination and give you time to look and see what the overall impact is going to be. We'll have a, we'll have a little bit clearer picture by this time next year, but really and truly, you really won't know the true impact for probably a couple of years on this because of how it's phased in. This this fiscal year, we are seeing the the pressures of inflation. Is is the current uh, rate of inflation? What type of effect is it having on uh, economic growth or business growth in the state of Mississippi? Well, it, it is a, it's a, it's a it's a great deal of concern, particularly for small businesses. The U.S. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce does uh, looks at this on a regular basis, and, and their most recent uh, information that they they provided, uh, looking at small businesses, this is their number one concern. You know, the ability to buy is really determined, you know, by what someone can do and it, whether they're going to buy more or, or, or buy the same amount and pay more or whether they're just going to buy less and pay the same amount they've been paying. You know, those are personal decisions that people will have to make based on what they're able to do. So that's one of the reasons that, that you see a, a great deal of concern with businesses. Now, I say that to say this. I point this out every time I ask the question and we get our responses back on the question about adding employees. When you see that number remain high, even though you're dealing with an economy that has, you know, to a certain extent out of control inflation, uh, that, that still shows that there's a positive, at least a positive feel about what the future holds. And, and I think that's, that's the one thing that, that gives me hope that, that we'll be able to ride this storm out uh, and, and, and deal with it. But it, it's it's going to be something that it's going to be it's going to have an effect effect on businesses. And again, you know, from from an economic standpoint, this is probably where a, a true trained economic uh, economist can give you a better feel for it than, than I can. But I can just tell you that from from the work that we do and the, the data that we are collecting right now uh, tells me that, that people still intend to move forward with their plans to hire, move forward with their plans to operate their business. So hopefully that will continue to be the case as we go forward. But again, it's a lot of unknowns when you're dealing with this type of inflation. Well, Scott Waller, President and CEO of the Mississippi Economic Council, thank you so much for this thorough information. Thank you. Coming up, the owner of Mississippi's first medical cannabis grow house. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11, an MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It's a groundbreaking development. Southern Crop and Meridian is the first licensed medical cannabis cultivator set to begin growing, processing, and packaging marijuana in the state. CEO Randy Meyer has some experience with the medical cannabis industry, having operated dispensaries in Louisiana. He lays out his company's plans for Mississippi with MPB's Rhonda Dunaway. Southern Crop is the Mississippi entity that will do, like we said, processing, packaging, cultivation, um, and so forth. It will also have dispensaries under it. So we, the goal now is for us to grow. The goal now is for Southern Crop to touch every part of the product. It's known as seed to sale. So Southern Crop will actually be a seed-to-sale solution for Mississippi residents, meaning we will grow the product, we will process the product, we will then dispense the product to the patient. Is that going to be done under one roof or our regular... No, mm-hmm. no. Go so ahead. You can't dispense under the same roof. You can do your cultivation and your processing and your packaging under one roof, but then that gets sent out with our transportation license to our dispensaries, and we will have five dispensaries throughout the state of Mississippi. So that leads me to my next question. Um, with, you know, and I understand you apply to do all this application process through the Mississippi Department of Revenue. I wanted to ask, how is that um, regulatory process going with your application? I tell you, it's great. They've did a phenomenal job. We're proud that they are holding everyone accountable. They're making sure that every box is checked and that they're doing all of their due diligence which is great. You know, there's other states around the U.S. that have not been aggressive in the monitoring and in the compliance, and Mississippi is doing an incredible job. Louisiana was the first in the South, deep South, and they also are extremely governed with regulatory rules, and Mississippi is following that same lead, which we're super proud of. And that process... I actually met... I actually met with one of our inspectors this week that had to come out to do um, look at the potential dispensary site, and I told him that same thing. It's amazing the job they're doing. They're doing a great job. So that process that you know that you're speaking of about Louisiana and Mississippi that guarantees a good product. Um, for the patient and um, that there, I guess that there's no nefarious business going on elsewise, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And we've even taken it a step further. Very few facilities in the United States are known as CGMP, which is good manufacturing practice. That is a pharmaceutical-grade product. Our facility is going to be that way from day one. We have brought in the best of the best from around the country to ensure that we have a pharmaceutical-grade manufacturing process. Patients do not want to turn to the street for their medication. This allows them to get a quality product and know it's safe because it's been tested and regulated. 
Right. And all of that, the, the testing, you you'll have a lab there at the place where you grow and um, harvest, correct? I, mm-hmm. I would like to clarify that because while mm-hmm. we will do some in-house testing, the, the state of Mississippi did an excellent job at making sure for patient safety, you must get all your product tested by a third-party outside lab before anyone can consume it. So we are not allowed to own the lab or have any conflict with the lab which ensures patient safety. Is there anything else that uh, you want to add to um, this conversation or to tell listeners about the future of um, medical marijuana in Mississippi? You know, the future looks really good. We are excited to have a pharmaceutical-grade manufacturing facility. Like I said, there's very few in the country. My pharmacy experience and treating this like a medication is what I think is best for the patients. It gives them the safety and knowing they have a quality product. And that's that's what we look forward to, just bringing great, safe, medical-grade marijuana to the patients. Meyer expects the Grow and Cultivation Center to be up and running by October. He says there will be five dispensaries across Mississippi likely open by December. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.